BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, February 2nd, 2024. Uh, my dear friend, Professor Jeffrey Sachs joins us now. Professor Sachs, always a pleasure. Great with to all be your with travels, you. You always manage to find time for us. I'm glad you're in the U.S. this time, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, a, a lot going on uh, in Ukraine a uh, $50 billion either loan or grant from the EU to the government uh, in Israel, where from what I see, the uh, decision by the International Court of Justice does not seem to have tempered the behavior of the Netanyahu government one bit. And in Pakistan, uh, where they put their political opponents away on trumped up charges uh, for 10 years, uh, President Biden can't travel anywhere without being interrupted. Uh, the Secretary of State can't leave his house in Washington, D.C. without people throwing what appears to be, but is not actually, gallons of blood on the street uh, in front of him. Bobby Kennedy says if he becomes president, he'll stop the war in Ukraine, but will not stop the slaughter in Gaza. Okay, how's that for an introduction? Do we have enough to talk about, Jeff? Let's go for it. All right, let's start with Ukraine. Um the EU has agreed to lend or give 50 billion euros, about 54 billion US dollars over four years uh, to Ukraine. This is cash. This is not military equipment. They don't have the military equipment to give. If they do, it would be second and third rate. In order to achieve this, they needed unanimity. In order to get unanimity, they had to use a carrot and a stick on Viktor Orban, the president of Hungary, who's the only one of them that understands the relationship between uh, the EU leaders, that understands the relationship between Russia and Ukraine. What carrot, what stick, and what is Ukraine going to do with the cash? Well, let's uh, start out with the uh, situation in Europe. Europe is in an economic recession because of the uh, backlash, uh, the boomerang effect of the sanctions. Uh, by cutting uh, trade between Russia and Europe, it's Europe that has ended up suffering. Uh, the uh, center of the European economy is uh, German industry. Uh, German industry is in contraction uh, because a lot of German industry was based on the low-cost energy that was imported from Russia. So when you look at the politics of Europe, there isn't a popular leader in Europe right now that is uh, in this pro-war coalition. Uh, in fact, the approval ratings of uh, people like uh, Chancellor Schultz of Germany are in the low 20s. 
That's mm. generally true uh, across Europe right now. Uh, in other words, Europe is adopting policies that are extremely unpopular with the people of Europe. I think they are mistaken policies. Uh, Viktor Orban of Hungary is not alone now because uh, the government of Slovakia uh, is now uh, also saying, though it wasn't pressing in this particular negotiation, but it is very clearly saying uh, that this uh, war in Ukraine needs to end at the negotiating table. Uh, the elections in the Netherlands uh, led to uh, the uh, most votes for uh, a politician, uh, Geert Wilders, uh, who is uh, against the NATO uh, war with Russia. Uh, the fact of the matter is the politics uh, in the European Union are absolutely against this war. Now, the leaders uh, have been falling into line with the U.S. approach all along. Uh, they've not said uh, a word about negotiations. Uh, they have been gung-ho on the war. What is the result of all of that uh, gung-ho militarism? It is that step-by-step, step, Ukraine is being destroyed. It's being destroyed demographically because uh, not only has Ukraine lost territory, but it's uh, lost people by the millions who have fled the country. Uh, some have gone to Russia. Others have gone to the European Union. Uh, a vast number are displaced internally. The economy is destroyed and vast numbers of Ukrainians are being uh, wounded and killed each month. So what Europe is doing uh, in thinking this is somehow coming to Ukraine's help uh, is simply uh, an extension of this mistake uh, in policy uh, that the U.S. led and that continues to this day. The only solution for this war in Ukraine is at the negotiating table. And the core issue that has been the causus belli, the cause of this war from the start in 2014, is NATO enlargement. And ironically, uh, the person who personifies this disastrous approach Victoria Newland, the Undersecretary of State, was in Kiev again, and rather than apologizing or resigning or leaving, uh, she was there to tell them, we're going to give you more weapons. No single person has done more damage to Ukraine than Victoria Newland, mm. and she remains in, in responsibility uh, as the point person in the United States. That's an extremely sad commentary on Joe Biden and his foreign policy and his team. So uh, all of this is to say that, yes, Europe has voted uh, uh, 50 billion euros, uh, uh, which is a fair sum, but it's over four years. It's not going to change anything for Ukraine. Uh, it's not going to change the results on the battlefield. It's not going to save the country. It doesn't even make sense. What Europe hasn't done and what the United States uh, has not done is uh, to say we need serious negotiations. We should have had them before this war started. We should have uh, allowed them to go forward 
in March 2022, when actually Ukraine and Russia reached an agreement that the United States then blocked. And those negotiations are needed till today. But unfortunately, we don't have presidential leadership. What did uh, the EU leadership do to Orban, uh, President Orban, to get him to uh, give in? Because it required unanimity, and he was, I think, the last holdout. He was. The truth is, uh, I don't know, and uh, nobody reported it. I've not uh, spoken to him or his team. I know him. I really respect the positions he's taken. I don't know what pressure was put on or what uh, concessions were made, if if any, to get him to uh, go along. So I, I can't answer the okay. question. And I appreciate your yeah. candor, uh, Professor. So twelve and a half uh, a billion a year. What are they going to do with it? Uh, the the head of the military is about to be fired if the president can pull this off. Very popular guy, who uh, General Zeluzhny, whom our military people say is serious military and is respected. But even he has said, I lost 500,000 men. I need another 500,000. They don't have the other 500,000. Is this $13 billion a year going to go into the pocket of uh, corrupt political leaders? Is it going to go to fund the government or is it going to go to buy military equipment from some source other than the U.S.? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I may, I may be uh, optimistic uh, in a way, but I, I don't think it's ever going to happen uh, in the sense that uh, I think events are going to move forward uh, faster than this four-year period. Uh, and, and by optimistic, maybe it's a, a strange word, uh, but I still believe that uh, there can, and I know that there should be, basic negotiations the United States says, okay, okay, we were wrong. It was stupid. We knew it. We should not have pushed NATO enlargement. That really is your red line, and it's an understandable one, by the way. Now let's figure out how to end this fighting and this bloodshed, which I think is in Russia's interest as well. So I think before that date uh, it's of, of this four-year period, we're going to see a resolution. We know, uh, by the way, that if uh, Trump is elected, the war really is going to end <laughs> very, very quickly. Uh, we know that if uh, Bobby Kennedy is elected, as you said, the war is going to end quickly. Even Biden and his team might figure out finally, uh, though they've been at this for a decade, literally a decade, uh, it's been the same group, Biden, Sullivan, Blinken, Newland. 
uh, though they've been at it for a decade and it's been a disastrous gambit, maybe they figure out that not only did they make a huge foreign policy blunder, but it's it's not good election year politics either. So maybe they'll figure out how to do something smarter. Before we get to uh, Israel, about which there is much to discuss, you have a fascinating piece uh, out this week uh, arguing that the United States was uh, complicit in the trumped-up charges against Imre Khan, the former cricket star who was the very popular prime minister, forget if it's prime minister or president, popularly elected uh, uh, prime minister leader of the Pakistan government, who since has been sentenced to 14 years on two absurd charges, crimes that he couldn't possibly uh, have uh, committed. Did the United States engineer the removal of Prime Minister Khan uh, and his banishment to a Pakistan prison for 14 years? Does the U.S. still do things like that? (laughs) It does it uh, every other day, it seems. Uh, This is the point of my article is to understand American foreign policy, uh, one should understand the concept of covert regime change. That means that the United States, unlike just about any other government in the world, doesn't think about how to have diplomacy with another government. It thinks about how to replace that other government. And this has been a string of complete disasters stretching back more than 70 years. When the CIA was established in 1947, it was established with two different tasks. One was intelligence, in other words, analysis, understanding uh, the world. And the second was covert operations. And basically, the CIA has been a lawless uh, extension of the White House uh, and the Pentagon and uh, the security establishment generally to do what it wants, when it wants. And There have been dozens and dozens by uh, a realistic count, 80 or more covert regime change operations by the United States. Now, they generally end in disaster. These are coups or uh, overthrows of uh, government or uh, destabilization of countries uh, or other kinds of pressures on militaries of other countries uh, and other means to bring down another government. It's illegal. Uh, It is fundamentally contrary to the UN Charter and a principle called non-intervention, which was deal with the other country, but don't intervene in its internal political affairs. Now, in this case of Imran Khan, uh, first I know him. Uh, and uh, admire him a lot. He's very smart. He's very decent. He's got high integrity, and he's extremely popular. Not only was he one of the world's greatest cricket stars, uh, but he's an extremely intelligent, capable, down-to-earth leader. And so he is the single most popular politician in Pakistan. Not a surprise. But He did something that is absolutely against the U.S. principle, which is he said, we want to be neutral. Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. He said, we want to be friends with the United States, but also Russia and China and other countries. Now, to the U.S., it's so weird, but neutral 
That's fighting words. How can you be neutral? Either you're with us or you're against us. Mm. And when Imran Khan said, I want to be neutral, the U.S. ambassador characterized it as aggressive neutrality. It's almost a joke. Uh, But this is the attitude, the arrogance of the United States. Now, this goes back a long time because just about every popular leader that somehow got into the middle of uh, an American geopolitical gambit that declared uh, neutrality suddenly became viewed as an enemy by the United States. Uh, And uh, there's a whole litany, a whole history. I've studied this uh, deeply for for decades, and I've actually watched it close up. So what happened here was that when uh, the special military operation took place, uh, began on February 24th, uh, uh, 2022. Uh, Imran Khan uh, was pressed by the U.S. and Europe condemn Russia. And he said in a rally on uh, March 6th, 2022, popular rally, he said, they're pressing me to choose sides. And we're not going to choose sides. He said, we're not their slave. Uh, They can't tell us what to do. We want to be friends with the United States, with China, with Russia. The next day, and we know it because of a leak, the next day, the uh, U.S. uh, Assistant Secretary of State called the uh, Pakistani ambassador in Washington and said, this is very, very serious. This, This could really endanger relations. But but if the prime minister were to fall in a vote of confidence, that that could actually make things work. And uh, that could make amends. And that message was conveyed by the Pakistani ambassador back to Islamabad, back to Pakistan. And somebody leaked it, according to The Intercept in its investigative reporting, somebody from the Pakistani military leaked it to the investigative reporter uh, of The Intercept. And somebody clearly leaked it to Imran Khan as well, because Imran Khan later on said, you know who brought me down? It was the United States who brought me down. And he said, I have the document. And he waved the document. Mm. And then waving it, he was charged with espionage. Oh, for, by re- for revealing a secret document. Exactly. And so they didn't they didn't say that's a phony document. They said, oh, that's espionage. The document that explains how the U.S. brought him down. And on hmm. that basis, he's sentenced to 10 years in prison this week. And the United States State Department says, oh, we respect the courts of Pakistan about a document that the Pakistanis obviously think is legitimate describing how the Pakistani ambassador was pressured to convey the message to overthrow so, so the prime Paki- minister of Pakistan. So Pakistan is a is a vassal state of the CIA. Well, we know that the military, we know that politicians there uh, are absolutely, uh, groups of them are beholden to the U.S. Obviously not everyone because the most popular politician and the largest party uh, is not. 
but they are being outlawed basically right. and right. they're being outlawed uh, with the connivance uh, and uh, then the uh, public acceptance uh, by the United States. This is American foreign policy. People should understand this. The yeah. idea is that the U.S. wants to decide who governs any other country if that right. country is challenging the U.S. And to tie it back together with Ukraine, the United States actively participated in the overthrow of the neutral president of Ukraine, Viktor Yanukovych, in February 2014. Not only did they participate in the overthrow, they chose the next prime minister. And your listeners uh, can go Google uh, Victoria Newland, Jeffrey Piat, P-Y-A-T-T. He was then the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. They had a phone call in late January uh, 2013, and they discussed who would be the next government four weeks or so before the actual coup took place. Mm -hmm. And the Russians intercepted it and made it public, uh, and anyone can listen to it right now. And this goes on. Did our government ever explain it? Did the American people ever uh, hear that we destabilized Ukraine through a covert regime change operation and through our policy of NATO enlargement? No. So this is this is what foreign policy is all about, this unfortunately. Is a, this is an awesome, detailed, deep, value-laden, but succinct lecture on uh, American history, which is much appreciated by the viewers and by me. But, but Judge, if I, if, I, if I could just say very quickly, uh, this goes back to 1947. Right. And people need to understand, when, when Putin says NATO is not a peaceful organization, what he's referring to is the regime change operations that topple governments all over the world. And it happens with impunity and it happens with deniability. And when I tried to publish a piece like this in the New York Times describing this, I was told, no, it's uh, you can't publish that. You know, we don't know. It's true. Uh, it's, it may not be may not be true. It's a game. It's mm. and it, but it's an absolutely dangerous game. And it's almost unique to the United States. I wouldn't say completely uh, that the U.S. is the only country, but the vast preponderance of internal interference in the politics of other countries, up to and including coups, assassinations, uh, deliberate uh, destabilizations, overthrows, uh, and uh, pressure like on uh, Pakistan to uh, uh, to bring down uh, in a vote of no confidence a popular politician. That is a U.S. specialty, and it needs to stop for our security. For our security, this doesn't make America safer. This is destabilizing the world. And that's really the point I want to make, which is this isn't good for us and bad for them. This is bad for us. Wow. We must get to Israel. It was a brilliant, uh, brilliant lecture you just gave us, transitioning. Has the uh, behavior of the Netanyahu government 
has the killing, destruction, and slaughter uh, of the IDF in Gaza abated at all since the International Court of Justice says there's plausible evidence of genocide and there's plausible evidence that you guys have to stop. In the ICJ, uh, International Court of Justice uh, finding, uh, there were two elements to it. Uh, one is the statements of intentionality, and the second is the events on the ground. Uh, so let's consider each of these. With regard to the statements of intentionality, I would say the ICJ ruling meant nothing to the Israeli leaders. Not only did they denigrate the ICJ ruling, but uh, there was a shocking rally uh, of right-wingers in Tel Aviv, including several ministers of the government calling for the Jewish settlement of Gaza and in horrible language of the kind that was cited by the ICJ as demonstrating genocidal intent. All right, I'm going to stop you for just a second just to let you rest your voice for a minute because we have the statements by Smotrich and Ben Gavir. They're not very long. They're about 30 seconds each. It's in Hebrew, but there are translations. One of them mentions uh, Netanyahu by name, who wasn't there, uh, but both are appreciated by the crowd, which seems to be as extremist as the speakers. Mr. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, I'm addressing you from this stage. It's a shame to wait another 19 years to understand that Gush Katith and northern Samaria must be returned. The responsibility of brave leadership is to make courageous decisions. We are settling our land from width to length, controlling it and fighting terror always and bringing with God's help security to all of Israel. You know what the answer is. Without settlement, there is no security. You know what they're talking about, what they're driving at, and what they're encouraging uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu to pursue. All of this uh, is being uh, carefully noted, uh, recorded, uh, annotated, uh, and will go to the International Court of Justice uh, in 30 days, basically. Uh, so Israel is just did digging the hole deeper. Uh, into uh, what looks more and more like a finding of genocide when the court uh, finalizes uh, this report. These uh, politicians are uh, living uh, in uh, an internal bubble with their zealot followers uh, and uh, their own rhetoric, and they don't understand that uh, the whole world now is watching because the International Court of Justice made a clear ruling to stop this kind of behavior and that there would be a report in 30 days by Israel and that that report would uh, then be commented on and I'm sure uh, 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 expanded upon by uh, the uh, plaintiff in this case, uh, the government of South Africa. So what is happening is being watched meticulously right now. They're fools to be doing this. Uh, and uh, they're just setting a large and vivid record of genocidal statements. All right. The, the other the other point you wanted to make besides intent was behavior. 
Well, the behavior is that the uh, shelling and deaths continue, and the defense minister, Gallant, uh, just said we're going to drive all the way to the south uh, of Gaza. One will recall that uh, the uh, Israeli defense forces told the people of Gaza, go to the south to get out of the way uh, of our bombing. Uh, they uh, then proceeded to bomb quickly and uh, thousands and thousands died under the rubble. But they said, go to the south. Now the defense minister says, we're going all the way to the south to finish our war. So I think uh, uh, there is no uh, limit on the action either. Uh, and so what, what Israel is doing these days, it, it thinks we act with impunity. The United States backs us. What difference can it possibly make? I think it's a, a very, uh, uh, not only uh, cynical, uh, cruel, and destructive uh, set of choices, but also a grave mistake <laughs> because uh, everything is being uh, carefully monitored and recorded and it will have its legal impact. Have you ever heard uh, of uh, state actors uh, dressing in, in uh, healthcare garb and invading a hospital and murdering uh, three young men in their, who were injured in their hospital uh, beds? Uh, and, we, we're, and the we're, country that sent them claims it's conforming to international legal standards? We're, we're seeing uh, scenes that are so shocking uh, and all recorded and annotated, and I get uh, long uh, uh, Excel spreadsheets of event after event with the uh, with the, the citations, uh, with the links, and so forth, uh, because there are various uh, human rights groups watching all of this. There are scenes of murder in cold blood that we're seeing each day. Uh, there are scenes of mass demolition of universities, of schools of apartment buildings, uh, with the gloating of the Israeli Defense Forces uh, in front uh, of the camera as uh, those uh, demolitions take place. And then this horrible, horrible, horrible scene of uh, these murderers uh, coming into the hospital this way. It's just so disgusting. Is there anything that can, besides Joe Biden, we know he could stop it with a phone call. He doesn't, doesn't look like he's going to do so, even as his political support erodes here. But is there any power that is likely to stop this? Do you foresee uh, Arab animosity in the Middle East rising to such a point that uh, leadership is forced to do something to stop Netanyahu and company in their tracks? No, I doubt it. Mm. Uh, I don't think anybody wants a regional war uh, because the devastation of that uh, would... Uh, just be a huge multiple of what's happening right now. Uh, but I would also not discount the uh, fact that the isolation of the United States, the uh, loss of uh, support for Biden inside the United States, the clarity of the uh, Arab and Islamic leaders in every day at the UN uh, demanding a ceasefire, the International Court of Justice ruling, uh, while it's not saving lives as we speak and this hour, I still believe that it, in its cumulative effect, will force uh, uh, an end to uh, this uh, 
these massacres uh, that that are shocking and extraordinarily self-destructive of Israel and, of course, utterly destructive of Palestine. Professor Sachs, thank you so much. Thank you for your comprehensive... By the way, this is outside of Tony Blinken's house. Yeah, much deserved. Uh, yep, those are... Much, much deserved. Those are the ladies from Code Pink. It looks like blood. It's it's water-colored uh, red, but they're making their... He, making their point. He should take note. Yes, I doubt that he will, but he should. But thank you for your brilliance. Thank you for sharing your vast and comprehensive knowledge of these things uh, with us. And thank you most of all for your time as you're traveling all over the world. Have we'll see you next week. Good weekend. We'll see you Good. next week. Thank, thank you, you, Professor. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. I think brilliance is an understatement. Uh, coming up at uh, three o'clock, uh, Professor Lawrence Wilkerson, I'm going to ask him point blank, is Bibi Netanyahu a terrorist? And at four o'clock, you know how we end Fridays and end the week, the boys, Ray McGovern and Larry Johnson on our intelligence wrap up for Ukraine and Israel and some stuff going on in Washington, D.C. also. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. <laughs>